mistake you made in not believing in me? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. All right, smart guy. If you get in an argument with Buddha, you'll have to get hit with a lightning bolt. Listen, talk about disappointment. Do you realize right now, at this minute, I am inundated with orders for white cloverleaf salve? Now, when I wanted to sell white cloverleaf salve when I was nine years old, I could not give it away. As a matter of fact, my old man even tried to use it to grease his Oldsmobile. But I couldn't give it away. And tonight, I'm in receipt of, uh, of, for example, I have one order for two hogsheads of white cloverleaf salve. Guy says, I heard you on your radio show the other night talk about the wonderful healing qualities, the wonderful soothing qualities of white cloverleaf salve. Would you please send me two hogsheads of that wonderful salve? God bless you and keep all of your loved ones. <laughs> and here it is. I could have won the pony. Well, you know, I saw a guy today. I was sitting in the subway, and I saw a guy today joining the dots. You know, it says join the dots in this picture. And uh, and then you have to count the number of faces in the sky and in the trees. You may be eligible for the big cash award, possibly even win a pony if you're really lucky. And I watched this guy joining the dots just like that. So, uh... I don't think that, uh, you know, I just, I can't put anybody down for what he's hung up on. I mean, you know, you're, you're, you're listening to a guy who has never finished a crossword puzzle. I take it back. No, I did one time finish a crossword puzzle. I, I uh, it was in the fall of 1962. In fact, I remember doing a show on it. I worked on it. I, it was a Sunday Times, too. And uh, I picked it up, and I started, of course, I got an early start. You know, a lot of people wait till Sunday you know, to get their Sunday Times. But I went over to the Times building over on 43rd Street, and I got a copy of the New York Times magazine section to get a good quick start on them. I got it Thursday. Of course, a lot of the ads were not yet in it, and the ink was still wet on it. But uh, I started to work on that, and it only took me, oh, ten days to finish the New York Times crossword puzzle. Now, uh, that is not putting any more than seven to ten hours a day in on it. And I was proud when I finally got the last wood in there, and I looked at it, and I held it, and I petted it. And nothing is, is more useless and yet more satisfying than a completed crossword puzzle. And I, I mean, you know, I, I know one guy that one time, the only time he ever did, of course, he had an, uh, actually a, a vocabulary of about seven words. And so when he finished a crossword puzzle one time, it was a tremendous achievement. I mean, it's like building a pyramid. He actually did it. So he had it framed. And it hung over his desk. You know, like, have you ever seen a guy that has a good card hand framed? You ever seen that? I, yes, I know a guy who had a royal flush framed and hanging over his desk. That he one time, he got this uh, royal flush in a, in a card game, playing poker. And uh, he was so amazed and aghast at it that he had it framed. And it was beautiful. It was hanging over, over his desk. Of course, he owned, the pot was only 37 cents. But nevertheless... <laughs> he did get the, the royal flush. So uh, each one of us tries in his own little way to... Uh, to uh, str hey, By the way, uh, uh, a guy wrote to me, and he says, you know, you ask about the white cloverleaf salve. He said, you used to sell it. He said, well, uh, he slips a daily blob of white cloverleaf salve in his wife's Nescafe. He says he puts that in there all the time. He says, and, well, there's a reason for it. He says, because she's always saying things that have total no meaning. For example, the other day, he says, she said, uh, 
I think the Mets are going to beat the Aerials. He, he sat there for about 15 minutes trying to figure out what the hell she meant by the Aerials. And they asked her, and she just shrugged. And he says, you know, I think there's something wrong with her Ariel. <laughs> he said, send the stuff right away. I need more. But uh, uh, now I, I can't, I can't put people down for their, you know, their attempts to to uh, get a little happiness in this veil of tears. Not at all, because because I, uh, I, uh, I am now in receipt of a piece of beautiful trivia here, which I'm going to put into my vast pile of trivia. And uh, it's a. Uh, have you ever gotten? Have you ever gotten a uh, a uh, newspaper or it's, it's an advertising paper? Really, have you ever written to a place at the bottom that says Central Particulars of our new? Our new uh, cure for the bloats. It's a center for particulars. Well, well yes. I, I wonder, for example, there's a, there's, a, uh, there's a company that makes uh, yogurt. And on the side of the yogurt box, I see it all the time. Whenever I see these yogurt boxes, it says, Send for a booklet on the romance of yogurt. Now, has anyone ever sent for that booklet? I sit down and see it right there in the yogurt box. And you write and you say, I want the romance of yogurt. Please send it to me. Postage paid including three fascinating Yugoslavian recipes for yogurt hash. And uh, you, <laughs> you send off. <laughs> well, now, wait a minute. Don't laugh. Do you know that there's a place that, that, that advertises that says, Are you lonely? Do you feel left out because you don't get any junk mail? Mail to you? You send $5 to this post office box, and we will guarantee that you'll get 17 pounds of junk mail the first week alone. After that, God only knows. You just stand back, and you're going to be buried in it. Well, a lot of people get there. Well, like the other day, I got really bumped. You know, there was a, there was an ad. I saw I was in the in the subway again. There was an ad that says uh, something about the Reader's Digest. It says, uh, "Take advantage of the offer that we sent you, along with a penny, which will be a reminder of the offer we sent you." I never got it. Never got it at all. I mean, what is it? Is somebody stealing my junk mail? No, that's the worst possible insult. It's my junk mail. I, I another one I saw the other day was some some uh, some razor blade company. They said to try the razor blades, what we sent you in the mail. I did not get a razor blade in the mail. And if I did, I can just see me reaching my mailbox and cutting a finger right off. Uh, did you get it? Yeah, of course you did. You've got shiny glasses and all that. You look like the kind of kid that got everything when you were sitting in school. I uh, know, he does. He has a, he just got that, you know, that smart you-know-what look. Yeah, he's out uh, there, yeah. sitting there in the front row, I can just see you. Probably you can hear the teacher and everything. And, uh, yeah, he's got that look. He, I notice Herb sits in there with his hand always half-raised. I mean, he's always ready to answer any question. As a matter of fact, you know. But the, I never got this mail to me. No. E except that I, I, I keep getting stuff mailed, and it's uh, with, with the, with, it says miss on it. I get some embarrassing stuff mailed to me that I have no use for ever whatsoever. Some terrible stuff. I, the other day I got a, a sample of something. I, I just can't even tell you about it there. And it was mailed to Miss Shepard. Now, uh, oh, by the way, I'm constantly getting stuff mailed to a Mr. Sherp. Uh, I don't know who this Mr. Sherp is who somehow uh, got me all tangled up. But you know, Yes, excuse me, I'm going to have to check with her head office here. Yes, yes. Well, yes, I know that here at the station, I know. On the Tuesday log, in case you're interested, I'm listed here as the Gene Sherp Show. Well... You ought to see what they have Farber listed for on Fridays. It's obscene. Of course, that machine keeps saying bad stuff all the time anyway. So uh, six of one, half dozen the other. 
but uh, I, I hold this up for you. I'm sorry you can't see me out there, gang. I'm holding it up. There's a group of honest-looking, uh, suffering faces looking out of this, uh, this, uh, this kind of smudgy paper. And they're all testimonials. Have you ever testified for anything at all out there? Is there anybody ever out there who has? Now, that you know these pictures I'm talking about? You look in the back of the magazine, and it shows this real fat lady. See? And it says, in just 10 days, I lost 35 pounds eating your new magic weight-off popcorn. All I did was eat And in 10 minutes, I lost 8 pounds. And it says before and after. And it shows this big fat slob, you know, before. It says, I weighed 297 pounds in absolute in the buff. And I was ashamed to even look at myself in the mirror. And 10 days later, I am wearing a size 3 dress. You see those pictures? Well, is there anybody out there who ever actually... Now, come on, honest, come on. Is there anyone out there tonight who actually was a testimony who made a testimonial for, say, uh, liver pills or uh, gas out, you know, something like that, or... Uh, or, yeah, oh, I'm serious. You know, don't put it down. <laughs> you know, my bunions were killing me until I discovered your magic formula, Dr. Squidnunk. And thank God for your formula. Oh, yeah. I, one of the greatest ones I see is this lady. It's a sort of a fat lady. It says, my dog was, was itching to death. Have you seen that one? My dog was itching, scratching himself to death. My dog was itching. And then I discovered your fantastic formula, and now my dog walks around like all the other dogs, and you know, does stuff under the coffee table and everything. Uh, I thought that was kind of nice. A dog itch—it's a itch to death, something like that. <laughs> well, I, I I shouldn't tell you this story because it's going to give a lot of you people bad thoughts, bad thoughts, and I don't want anybody out there to have. By the way, speaking of bad thoughts, we had a great night at the Northern Regional Highland. Our Northern Highland Regional, and uh, they beat the Demarest, New Jersey, the football team. Then everybody was celebrating, but then I got a little disappointed when I found out that Demarest is the first school in this entire area to experiment with girls on the football team. And uh, their forward line, their their uh, offensive line. There's three girls playing in the line there, and uh, the experiment didn't work out so good. I think they lost 26 to nothing, but they're coming along. They're coming along. So uh, it was kind of a tarnished victory for Northern Highlands. <laughs> I mean, but uh, nevertheless, uh, oh, here, we've got a testimony in there. Testimonial E-E-E-E. Somebody who actually wrote a... <laughs> Gee, these are beautiful. I, I'll, have to, I'll have to read a typical one here. <laughs> Here's one from Tennessee, Mississippi. It says, Gentlemen, I'm glad to say that your tablets are the only thing that helps me live my life. Since I've tried your tablets, I can eat almost anything I want. I can chop wood now, and I can go out and just walk around like all the other people. I sleep at night, and I rest. And I want to thank God for your little wizard snake oil tablets. They have helped my stomach ulcers, and no longer am I embarrassed at the table while making bad noises. Signed, Eliga Homer Smith. I kind of like that. That just says so much. <laughs> what a wonderful thing. I mean, to, to know that he's not going to sit down at the table and make bad noises. I mean, that, 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 that is something to get down on your knees and give thanks for. And I want to tell you, I've been, I've been having trouble sleeping for years. I've been having trouble. Every night I lay there and I put them earplugs. I've been sticking pencils in my ears and everything to get to sleep. And now, thank God, I want to tell you about something. 
My God, I want to thank you for your wonderful, your wonderful life-giving formula. Yeah, well, uh, I'll, I'll tell you though, I, was, uh, I had a, I had a bad experience one time. <laughs> thank my God. <laughs> you know, I shouldn't. I suppose I shouldn't tell you this, but uh, but I, I'm going to tell it to you anyway. I, I saw one of the worst practical jokes I ever saw in my life played as a result of one of these testimonials. You've seen these testimonials in papers? I'm sure most of you have, you know. And uh, it always shows this smudgy picture, and uh, above it it says, Woman Gets Blessed Relief. And then underneath it it says, Dear sir, I want to tell you how much I just get down on my knees every day, and I thank you for your wonderful snake oil tablets. They have gotten rid of the eczema and the acne, which has been plaguing me ever since Homer left. And I just want to tell you now that I chop wood and I do everything like a normal person does. And my acne and my eczema has gone. God bless your wonderful remedy. And then it says, Mrs. Hezekiah Glunts. And uh, I, I uh, have you ever wondered about these people? Do they carry around the clipping in their wallet about how they got in the paper? And the picture was published. And, uh, I mean, they got rid of the bloat. And now their their life is happy. Well, that's what they always talk about. Now I'm just telling you, I'm bringing it out in the open. They always talk about they don't have the bloat anymore, or they, or, or the scabies are gone, or some terrible thing like that. Well, the other night, a friend of mine made a real discovery, and he's a very elegant guy. This guy, I'll tell you, he's so elegant that uh, you wouldn't believe it. He wears these elegant English shirts, and uh, you know, with the detachable collars, and he's got one of these jazzy wide ties. And he, he looks a little bit like a vaguely debauched uh, Leslie Howard, and uh, elegant sort, you know. And uh, he's he's really he's really from Queens, but he's got this fake English accent, and uh, he's been able to fake a lot of people out doing it. And he's a very elegant type. And uh, the other day, he's sitting there being elegant and uh, looking around with disdain at the world, the way so many of us do. You know that you know that look that William Buckley has. George Plimpton has, you know, that kind of look there, you know, that the world is really so much of a drag for the really good people. And, the, you know, the world is so full of filth and evil and the good people. Uh, if it was only up to the good people, it would be really much better. You know, the, the John, the, the Galbraith, the, the, the <laughs> that, that, that kind of attitude. You know, you, who are all these people who are constantly advising us on how to live? You know, Arthur Schlesinger Jr. is always writing a long article on some... You know, esoteric facet of life. And Susan Sontag is weighing carefully, but uh, nevertheless, uh, he's one of those types, and he gets all the right magazines and stuff. And uh, he is a very elegant person, and he thinks right, and he votes only for very good people, literate people, and he believes in style far more than anything else. Style is so important; it is the it is the uh, hallmark of a man. And uh, he goes on and on and on about this, and and so the other night we're sitting there. And uh, he made the bad mistake of having a martini. And the uh, martini, you know what they say? Uh, in, in vinos est veritas, which means be careful. You get a snootful, your lot will say something you don't mean, but it'll be true. <laughs> so uh, you don't mind if I get a little basic here, do you, friends? I mean, after all, it's not the way I'm, I agreed. It's not the it's not the way that Rip Torn would describe life. But I'm just you know, but he wouldn't describe the way I do either. So, and uh, nevertheless. Uh, he had, he got this martini, and, and uh, I'm sitting there. I'm always a little nervous when I'm around this type, very official, and I'm wearing my T-shirt with Snoopy on it, and, 
And, uh, you know how it is. And I went to go out and knock out some fly balls and stuff. And he's sitting on the edge of this chair, brocade chair. And he's got an elegant wife. He's got the kind of wife that has granny glasses on her granny glasses. You know, the kind. Always right up to the latest thing. They have maxi minis and mini maxis. And it's all going all the way. They have an inflatable house. You know, a lot of people are messing around with inflatable furniture. they got a house you just blow up. It's made out of vinyl. And, of course, once in a while, guys throw rocks at it. But, uh, you know, all the air comes out of it. But it doesn't make any difference because uh, they're very impermanent people anyway. So he is uh, he, uh, sitting there on the edge of the chair, and he's wearing uh, his uh, his beautiful English bell-bottom trousers and the whole bit. And uh, he has his martini. And so he drank the martini. Well, of course, it doesn't make any difference how jazzily you decorate the exterior. It is the interior that controls the total man, ultimately. So down goes the martini. Well, a little bell went off down there, apparently. A little ding-dong. And uh, a little shot of adrenaline went into the marrow of his bones. And the next thing you know, his tongue starts to wag in an uncontrolled manner. And he starts to tell me. He dropped his, his English accent. It just fell right off of him. It's amazing. All of a sudden, he's talking like he's from Fordham Road. And up to this point, he has been sounding like a BBC ace announcer. And he says, hey. I said, yeah. He said, hey, you know, a great thing happened to me. I said, what? You know, I got a little scared because he's also the vice president of a big concern here in New York who believes, by the way, that he is a graduate from the London University School of Economics. Whereas, actually, I know that he went to the Indianapolis School of Chiropractic Techniques. And here he is. <laughs> yeah, that's true. And he says, uh, hey. I said, yeah. He said, you know, the other day, I'm, 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 I'm in his cab, see. I said, you are? Yeah, in his cab. The old martini's working away. And I said, what happened? He said, you know what I discovered? I said, what? I discovered the one thing that ties people together no matter what. I said, what? If they got stomach trouble. I says, what was that? He said, well, you know, the one thing, if you got problems with your stomach, and you say it to somebody else, and he's got problems too, man, it doesn't make any difference. What else you got? You can be a conservative, a Republican, a Democrat, you can read the Village Voice or nothing. The one thing that people can all talk about is their stomach. And here we are sitting with these elegant people, and I says, just what do you mean, Cheshire? Which is his name. And he says, well, he says, you know, I got this gas, right? Don't I have gas, right, Melba? That's the name of his wife. Well, of course, instantly a giant pall settled over the group, because we, we don't like to think that the you know, that the elegant people have this problem. And he says, yeah, and I'm riding in a cab, and, and I'm sitting back there, and all of a sudden I see this cabbie I'm ahead of me, and he's popping the Alka-Seltzer tablets raw. He just eat them like he eat candy. I says, really? Yeah, and that's what I do, too. Well, we sat and we talked. He says, you know, I ran the meet up to $4 before I even thought to get out. Nothing, boy, we had a good time talking about our stomachs. Well, five minutes later, of course, what happened was that he was crawling around under the fern plant. And, uh, you know, after he took the martini and he forgot all about his stomach, and he started to make those bad noises, and so his wife led him into the bedroom, and that was the end of him for the night. But uh, it was an interesting uh, case, I thought. Uh, and I thought you'd be interested, too. It's not the sort of thing that would happen to Mandrake, the magician, but it is the sort of thing that <laughs> happens to real people. Now, I don't want to give you any ideas. I mean, I, you know, people have bad enough ideas anyway, and I don't want to be the first to give you a bad idea, but... Uh, I saw a man almost totally reduced to nothing, to an absolute zero in the eyes of his compatriots, if not his peers, due to one of these testimonials in the magazine. And by the way, uh, before I tell you this, I must say that uh, my experience with patent medicines of one kind or another is somewhat extensive. 
I had a grandmother who had store teeth, and uh, she was a very nice grandmother. She had the, she had the kind of frizzy hair. She belonged to the school of aesthetics that believed that the frizzier your hair is, the more beautiful you are. And her hair looked like a nimbus of thin wires all around her head, kind of the floating nimbus of wires. You, you've seen that kind of lady, and uh, she she yeah she wore little uh, dresses with little flowers around the around the neck and that kind of thing. She was a true granny. She had one problem, though. Along the line, and by the way, a teetotaler. Along the line, though, Granny had discovered a magic iron health blood tonic. And Granny, every day, drank a full tumbler full of this tonic in the firm belief that it was good for her blood. And uh, it was, as a matter of fact. And the granny would sit there, and she would drink this tumbler of this stuff. She And I remember her pouring it out of the bottle, the big bottle. She used to buy this down at the drugstore, and it was her tonic. And she poured it out of the bottle into this big, great big tumbler. She was a big water tumbler. She would drink of this stuff. Every day. She figured, you know, they said that you should take two tablespoons of this a day. Well, she figured if you took two tablespoons, you'd feel groovy. If you took 27 tablespoons, you'd feel 27 times groovy, which was exactly what happened with granny. She would drink this tumbler full, and it was amazing. A very, very nice, uh, serious lady. Her name was Flora. Now, that's a granny name if you ever heard one. And uh, granny would uh, drink this tumbler, and uh, my, old, my old grandpa, my old grandpa Charlie, he's walking around, and he would always watch her very carefully when she would drink this because after she finished the blood tonic, she had a tendency to fall over sideways, and sometimes she'd hit her head on the uh, radiator they had there in the kitchen where she would drink it. Because this tonic had, are you ready for it, 67% alcohol, which meant that it was roughly 110 proof. So uh, Granny's blood tonic really did, I mean, it did jazz up her blood considerably. And I remember as a kid, I used to wonder if she would take care of us. You know, me and my kid brother, she'd drink her tonic. And after she would drink her tonic, she would sit over by the kitchen table and sing songs. And, uh, once in a while, pour herself another, uh, you know, another finger or two of tonic. She'd go through a half a case of tonic in two or three days. And it wasn't until one day, and Granny was a, was a good church member who didn't believe in drinking. One day, the minister in her church delivered a thundering sermon on uh, the new tonics <laughs> that the people in his congregation were drinking. He says, why, there was one lady who had a buzz for over a week. And the God in his wrath was going to deal with it. But you see, there's always in every crowd, every crowd, there is a wet blanket. Now, uh, to be honest with you, I'm a wet blanket. No, 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 no. This is honesty night. I'm a wet blanket. And, uh, I, you know, I just, I really am. I'm, whenever there's a party, I sit around and say, ah, I hate parties. Oh, yes. I'm a wet blanket. Terrible. I mean, the Mets win the pennant. I say, ah, wait till next year. They're going to get it in the, you know what. Ah, a terrible wet blanket. Once in a while, I say to myself, Shepard, when are you going to dry that blanket out? But no, a wet blanket, there's a wet blanket, there's a wet blanket. As Gertrude, uh, what was her name, said. No, she was talking about a pigeon on the grass. Alas, no, I'm sorry. No, no, that was Ed. No, no, that was Ed Sullivan that said that. Great line, by the way. I'm amazed that he came up with that. And, uh, but I don't want to, you know, burden you with this kind of talk. But nevertheless, uh, I did see a man who was reduced almost to, well, a flaming hulk as a result of one of these editorials 
one of these testimonials that appeared in the newspaper. I shouldn't tell it to you because it's going to give you a lot of bad ideas, a lot of bad thoughts. So, would you set the mood? How about testimonial music, all right? Yeah, I want to thank you. Oh, yeah. I want to thank you for your snake on the dead. I think a little Jewish heart musical. This is right from the heart of the Bible Belt. The Jewish heart felt where they believe in these tonics, man. I knew a guy, I'll tell you, it's funny, I knew a guy who uh, was very, very, well, he was, there's certain people, when success comes uh, to them in any field, they buy their own publicity, you know, they really do, I mean, it's, it's uh, one of the things that bothers me about so many of the crusaders of our day is that they have absolutely no sense of humor. None whatsoever. Of course, this has always been part of a crusader's makeup. Uh, but their, their, their belief in their own righteousness is blinding. It's awe-inspiring, overwhelming. And the pure light of goodness and truth and beauty pours out of their navel, man, in an under, uh, just an, a, a never-ending stream of platitudes. And, of course, the belief in oneself uh, and and the concomitant disbelief in others is uh, is uh, is all endemic in it. See, but the point really is no humor. You know, to have to have a sense of humor, you have to also find yourself funny. You're thinking about that, and I can name a dozen people who are parading under the name humorous who do not find anything about themselves funny. <laughs> in fact. What they do find about themselves is sublimity. And somehow magically touched with uh, uh, unbelievable talent and a fantastic insight and a far deeper sensitivity to life than all the others. Well, uh, you know, Hitler didn't think he was funny. And yet, uh, <laughs> well, in some ways he was probably the greatest clown of uh, all time. But uh, nevertheless, this guy was, this guy I knew, and uh, he, he, he had a morning radio show. And, uh, and uh, because he had, a, he had a voice that sounded a little bit like a vacuum cleaner with a bad washer. And it just it had a burr in it. And he had this deep voice. And uh, for some reason or other, maybe it was his voice, he was a fantastic success. Enormous success. And, uh, he had, well, he was, um, I'll tell you, he made the John Gambling success look like uh, greasy kid stuff. This guy owned the city, owned it, all the way down the line. And the people would uh, write to him by the millions and ask for his picture. And, and uh, he was uh, very cavalier about it. And, of course, when he would walk through the radio station, it was like he was walking on the glistening surface of a sea. He walked on water. And there ain't many people can do that this day and age, but he he was very good at it. At the there used to be you know snide remarks down in the announcers' lounge about the old Malcolm was out walking on water again yesterday. And somebody said, "You mean he was swimming?" He said, "No, he doesn't swim. You don't have to swim and you can walk on water." You know, 
He just goes out for a walk down the beach. You know, he walks out to see her and comes back again. That's the end of it. And uh, he was that kind of guy. Well, uh, his, his success grew blindingly big. Until one day, and to this day, I, I can't tell you the names, because uh, the, the guilty are still walking around, blowing their nose, and, uh, you know, being guilty. One day, two sneaky guys were sitting down in the announcer's lounge, and uh, they had a newspaper. And in the newspaper was one of these big half-page ads of testimonials for a particularly obscene stomach laxative. I mean, it was really the terrible ads, you know. <laughs> Something like, a, you know, like a Dr. Gizzard's uh, wonderful opossum snake oil, that kind of stuff. And they had a whole bunch of pictures of people who took this. You know, Mrs. M.E. of Hattiesburg, Mississippi. And uh, Mr. J.L., a uh, well-renowned pastor from Dismal Seepage, Arkansas. And all these people were writing in. They took their stuff. Well, these two guys sat down there, and they looked at each other. And they looked at each other again, and one of them said, Should we do it? The other one said, Hmm? Nothing ventured, nothing gained. He'd probably like the publicity. So they sat there for another couple of minutes, and then one of them says, Wait. So he scurries upstairs into this big file cabinet where they had all the publicity pictures of all the talent. And so they take this guy's picture. And here he is. He looks, he, he's got one of these pictures, you know, like uh, the very official type announcer who sits there with a microphone in front of him and he's holding his ear and, uh, <laughs> you know, and the lighting is all. It's, uh, have, you ever, have you ever felt that, that, that the guys that have this, there's a certain kind of a portrait. Uh, in fact, there's a very famous portrait studio here in New York that turns out the worst-looking portraits I've ever seen. Everybody looks vaguely like he's been carved on Mount Rushmore or that he's just about to go out and people the West, something like that. Well, he has the, he loved this kind of picture. He's got one of these pictures in there. He is looking very official. And uh, they had the highlights, you see, and the, his hair is all wavy, and he's got this big microphone. So they sit down there and they type up this letter, this effusive letter, and off it goes. They mail it with the picture. They mailed it to the place where Dr. Grizzard's magic opossum liver snake oil was being made. Some place where they made it in the wash tub in the basement in Mississippi someplace. And they sent it off. And all of a sudden, two weeks, three weeks, four weeks go by, a full half-page picture comes out in the local newspaper that says, Prominent star of radio, television, and wire recordings says this about Dr. Grizzard's magic, famous opossum liver oil. Sirs, I have always been troubled with, with bad cases of gas immediately after my meals. I've always been troubled with all sorts of problems. My stomach growls whenever I attempt to do my radio show. And I would have trouble sleeping at night. And I worried and worried and worried until, thank God, I discovered your wonderful remedy. And I want to thank you again for your wonderful wizard snake oil and opossum grease. It has helped me through many a difficult situation. Signed, the star. It hit the town like a bomb. <laughs> and uh, he came in. Of course, nobody said anything. It was in the paper. 
came in, and it was amazing. It was just unbelievable. It was amazing. I mean, I had never... If you can imagine, one day, you look out of your window for weeks, and you keep looking at this dinosaur. This dinosaur is walking around 70 feet long and 228 feet high, and all of a sudden, without any warning, the dinosaur comes in and runs in and there's a crack in the wall, and he comes running around the floor, and he's now no bigger than a little cockroach. In fact, he looks like a cockroach and makes squeaking sounds. He was completely deflated. And he knew somebody at the station had did it. Had done it. And <laughs> did it. <laughs> and he walked in. He said, who did that? Did what? Total innocence. That picture was published in 397 papers across the nation. And you know, no, the worst part of it was, in a, in a crazy way, it rebounded against us. Because, as a result of that picture, in the paper, it appeared in Hollywood, it appeared everywhere. This guy was getting offers from radio stations all over the country. Because, was, you know, there he was. <laughs> and so, you know, I can tell you this, that uh, I don't know. I mean, we're all bound together by the physicality of us, which we never talk about. Physical problems of just walking around and living, existing. And uh, sometimes you wonder, though, uh, a pharaoh, for example, the year 4000 B.C., did he scratch? Yeah, sitting up there on the throne? Or did he, did he, uh... Yes, they have definite information that they did. Now, uh, but they each, each guy in his own right, you know, his own concern with the... Uh, Patent medicines. We all believe that somebody's going to invent something that's going to solve it all. It's going to, yes, the, or the, the belief in the universal elixir is strong, man. Strong. I remember one time, me and Schwartz were kids. Now, I think one of the most exciting parts of anybody's house is the medicine cabinet. It tells so many sordid stories. Subtle secrets. You go into this guy's house, and you're visiting the head of the English department. You've been invited to the faculty tea. You sneak up there, and you're supposed to be washing your hands. You open the medicine cabinet, and look, and it says, in case of fit, take three times quickly and say, Shazam. Signed, Dr. Gumpox. And you wonder, who's having a fit? What kind of fit? What kind of fit? Well, one time, Schwartz and me, there was this old house. You know, there's always a house where people have moved out of in your neighborhood. And kids are always drawn to them. And we got in this house. And we're running up and down the stairs. Empty house. There were papers on the floor. And an old apple core in the corner. And uh, a busted chair. It's about all it was. A Sears Roebuck catalog and a pile of old newspapers, that sort of stuff. A, a broken comb up and down. And I am in the bathroom upstairs looking for stuff. And just looking, you know, that, that secret sense of being in a house that isn't your house? That, uh, oh, yes, being a... There must be a certain amount of excitement, satisfaction in being a, uh, a burglar. Break in somebody's house, walk them out. Somebody else's pad. You open up the refrigerator. Do you know that they found that almost all burglars open refrigerators? Did you know that? 
<laughs> I'm telling you the truth. That doesn't mean they eat anything out of it, you know, what's in there, but they open the, the refrigerator. And one of the first things that the police do when they're trying to figure out who it is that broke in this house is they take the fingerprints of the, of the handle of the refrigerator door. Because in nine times out of ten cases, this guy opened up the refrigerator. And he won't touch anything else in the house except where the dough is. He looked around. Somehow, he can't help it because the refrigerator is one of the basic things. Everybody. There it is. Represents life. Food. There it is. Well, we're upstairs, and here's the medicine cabinet in this house. And I opened it up, and there were these fantastic bottles. There must have been 25 bottles of stuff in there. All kinds. You know, these little capsules. When I was a kid, I was always amazed by these capsules. You know, they always looked like little celluloid jelly beans or little uh, Mexican jumping beans. And I never could figure out how they, were they melt in your stomach or what. You know, you have to empty them and throw them in your mouth. And so here was a whole bunch of bottles. It must have been 28 bottles, yellow, green, purple tablets. Each one said uh, on it, uh, take two a day or take one after every meal. And uh, they had all these uh, uh, prescriptions typed out. Well... Uh, I'm looking at the bottles, and Schwartz is looking at the bottles. We're in this empty house. Well, the illicit urge. I, I can understand why kids try all kinds of drugs and stuff. Because the first thing I did, I opened up a bottle of yellow ones. There were beautiful yellow ones. And I took one. Went down easy. Schwartz says, give me one of them red ones. And he took a red one. And then there was a, there was a, a bunch of little capsules with all kinds of colored little BBs in it. You know, red, green, and blue BBs. So I took three of those, and uh, <laughs> Schwartz tried one of the purple ones that was for the fit. And uh, with that, I uh, I saw I saw way at the top shelf. They had one of these flat round boxes that was made out of cardboard, you know, and it had the numbers written on it, the prescription numbers. And I opened it up, and there were flat sort of pastille things in it. it says in case of hives or something. So I took a half a dozen of those. Well, each one of us were sitting there eating these things like candy. Now, I don't know why, and I, and I can't tell you, there's no way I can give you or any explanation I can give you why it didn't kill us. But we must have eaten about 36 of these things of various colors. When all of a sudden, way down deep in my gut, I felt a feeling which to this day I have not forgotten. It's a fantastic feeling. I'll tell you what it really felt like. It, it felt like there was an exploding grapefruit down in my gut. Now, I don't know why it felt like a grapefruit, but there was a certain a certain taste that came up at the same time that was sort of a bitter, sour taste, but it kept growing bigger and bigger and bigger and exploding larger. It was some kind of a fantastic chemical reaction. And bubbles started to come up out of my mouth. <laughs> well, I saw Schwartz. Oh, I don't want to tell you any further, but we, both of us were laying on the floor, screaming and yelling for about 25 minutes. And then it passed. And what do you think we did? Opened up the medicine cabinet and started again. People never learn. And I want to tonight salute Dr. Grizzard's magic opossum liver snake oil and say thank God. Uh. <laughs>